My name is Bob, and uh, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm both honored and nervous to be able to be here in the preaching today, and so I pray that God will be uh, um, honored in what we do. I already have been blessed by the songs, um, some of the words, and because I know what I'm going to say, I'm thinking, wow, well, yeah, that just really fits into that. So, uh, one of the things that we were just singing here comes out now. Um, the end of this one it says, Praise the mount and fix upon it. And in this case, he says, Mount of Redeeming Love. The word mountain is going to be part of our uh, text today, and it just is used in several ways. But for us as Christians, uh, the good news part of that mountain is definitely related to God's redeeming love. So, uh, before we uh, go into the sermon, I want to <clears throat> prep us a little bit to help us think about our normal lives, right? Our normal lives. So, I'd like to collect about uh, um, seven to ten uh, verbs that refer, what did you do last week? Think about something you did last week. Worked. Worked. I worked. You worked. I slept. Yeah. Work and sleep. I ran. Ran. stuff 
that gets our attention and that tickles our ears, so to speak. But these are the kind of things that our life is made of. And that's why I wanted to focus on these first. Now the other thing I want to do is kind of prep here is to bring Christianity into our thinking. And one of the things that we often do is pray the Lord's Prayer. If you have your song books, turn to page 45. Katie read our text. We'll be reading it again. But So you're familiar with the idea of what you already read in the text. But I would like you to think in terms of this is something that when, when uh, uh, Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, you know, John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, can you teach us? And instead of giving them a bunch of of rules of how to pray or a seminar, it just gave them this uh, sample that has become a huge part of Christianity ever since, and rightfully so. Let's look at this and uh, just listen to me as I, I think about uh, or I talk about this. So, our Father who art in heaven, think about the fact that what if this was, what if God answered this prayer? Globally, in the whole earth. What if he said, okay, I'll answer your prayer. So, in other words, our Father in heaven would be like the whole world, everybody in the earth, acknowledge that God is God in heaven. Hallowed be your name. What if his name was exalted, held in great honor, everywhere on earth, in every human being? Your kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth. In other words, in all of earth, globally, no part of earth excluded, as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. Give everybody on earth, God, the provision, the food that they need. He says, okay, it's done. And then it says, Forgive us our debts. All of us. Every human being is given forgiveness and offered forgiveness. But then the, in Jesus' prayer, he also says, and forgive us as, uh, as we have forgiven also our debtors. So people are saying, yeah, God, you've forgiven me, and everybody on earth is saying, and so I forgive anybody that has against me too. Wow, imagine. It's hard for me. I don't know that I can really, truly imagine that kind of a life. And lead us not into temptation. Uh, uh, some people are uh, struggle and are stumbling by that part about God would lead us in temptation. But to me, it's just a fulfilling prayer. I pray this every morning and I focus on that first word. Lead. Lead us. We're going to see that. So what, how about a whole world? Every human being, all, whatever, eight billion of us there are, saying, Lord, lead us. And it's, and it's happening. And then, uh, but deliver us. Lead us not into temptation. In other words, when I pray that in the morning, I'm thinking, Lord, I think that these are the things I'm going to do today. These are some areas.
place where I might be tempted. So I already know you're answering that prayer by warning me uh, and stay away from this area. Um, deliver us from evil. Imagine every human being in the whole world delivered from evil. In whatever way. It would take a pretty big God to do that, wouldn't it? Like maybe a God of armies? We're going to be seeing that as we go back into our text again. We pray that prayer, but what if God answered that on a global level? Micah was given a brief glimpse into just that kind of glorious situation. He was able to see something very briefly and in a general way that, like Pastor said, gives him and gives us all hope, gives us belief that war could end. I'm going to read that, that text again. You can follow along with me. Um, I can find it. There we go. Just, <clears throat> I just want to make note on, on the different parts. So in verse 1, the first part of verse 1, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills. This is figurative language. Uh, well, there's a couple of other things that it's actually going to raise geographically. But in general, uh, all of us would say this is a figurative way of describing God's kingdom, God's area, God's stuff. And that's going to be seen as the exalted one is not only his name is exalted, but everything related to his name is recognized as this is great stuff. This is good. Uh, and so his name is exalted. His kingdom is exalted. Micah has a revelation in Caesar. And then it says, the peoples will flow to it. It's like a stream, a glistening stream, mountain stream. A beautiful picture word that is given here. Because we see these people who are motivated. Many nations will come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountains of the Lord. We come from our nations, our places, and we want to know about God's mountain, the Lord's mountain, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us his ways. And then we may walk in his paths. I love the motivation that is seen in this glimpse of the future kingdom of God on earth. By the way, note the contrast. I should have started with this. In the last verses of verse of chapter 3, Micah has this vision of how the city of Jerusalem is going to just be wiped out. It's going to be trash. It's going to be stomped on. It's, uh, the Temple Mount and, and the places that people are so proud of are going to just be like a stubble out in the field. It's going to be devastated. It's going to be such an embarrassment. And then now in this next verse he says that the house of the Lord is going to be established and raised up. And here are many 
upon us. I hope that we are, are just as eager now and not waiting for that future kingdom situation to say, how can we find God's way? How can we learn His ways and you know, walk in His path? Not just special times, but in our daily lives. We want to do God's ways. For out of Zion, the end of verse 2, will go forth the law and the word of the Lord in Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and shall decide for strong nations far away. There's a lot of opinions about last times and uh, I want to just read you something from the NIV study Bible. Um, because in Isaiah, the, this same picture is seen in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 and uh, following. So I'm going to read what it says in their footnote. Almost identical to Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. The theme of the mountain of the Lord, or Mount Zion, is common in Isaiah. It occurs in passages that depict the coming of both Jews and Gentiles, non-Jews, to Jerusalem or to Zion in the last days. Some people believe that the peace described in this passage has been inaugurated through the coming of Christ and the preaching of the gospel and will be consummated at the return of Christ. Others maintain that it is a prophecy of conditions during a future reign of Christ on earth. These last days can refer to the future generally, but usually it seems to have in view the messianic era. And Christ, Jesus Christ, or Messiah, is the Messiah in our opinion. Jews don't necessarily agree with that, but they would see also that this is messianic. In a real sense, the last days began with the first coming of Christ and will be fulfilled at his second coming. So, without getting into a lot of the views of eschatology, uh, I thought that was a good summary. The idea is the kingdom of Christ, Jesus is the king. He said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We don't see right now what what, uh, Micah had a glimpse of. But we know that part is coming. But until that part arrives, it doesn't mean that we can just say, well, it'd be nice that someday our team is going to win. We're playing now. We're on the field now. And so I'd like us to continue here to think about how this prophecy can apply to us. Notice in verse 5, when, when uh, well, let me finish in verse uh, 4, or the end of 3 and 4. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Weaponry is going to be transferred into tools. So I don't know if you know Jesus or if this was today, if it'd be 
tanks are turned into combines or, you know, I don't know, somehow the, the, the use of things is going to be transferred from war to peaceful uses. A nation shall not lift up sword against nation. That's hard for me to, to believe. Do you know that there are four wars that are currently going on where at least 10,000 people are dying every year? Can you name them? The Afghan conflict. Like, I had some statistics here somewhere if I can find them. It's like 40, 60,000 people in the last two years have been killed in that war. Can you just say, okay, you guys stop kill, killing each other? It's a hard imagine. Not only do they still hate each other and don't forgive each other, but other nations that are building weaponry are happy to have somebody buy it and trash each other, including our own nation. I heard that the U.S. and U.K. both have increased greatly their military budgets this current year. A lot of people make their money working for the, the weaponry industry. How can it just stop? And yet Micah saw that it had stopped. There was no more war. Neither shall they learn war anymore. There's not going to be any more West Points. Or the Air Force Academy, or whatever the other nations have. They're not going to need them. It just blows my mind away. What a beautiful thing. In contrast to that, it says, verse 4, but they will sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. Nobody is going to make them afraid. They don't have to worry about having a defense program. I don't know how that's going to work out, but Micah saw it. And the end of verse 4, I think, is very significant. How is this ever possible? He says, For the mouth of the Lord, the Yahweh of hosts, also that's armies, the Yahweh of armies has spoken. He could trash the world if he wanted to. He has not chosen to use that. Somehow, whether it's through the Holy Spirit working in all of our lives in a special way, or whether it's people just recognize, wow, did you see what happened? The prophecy was fulfilled where all the nations were gathering against Israel and they got trashed in a miraculous way. We don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but Micah saw that it is going to happen. And then in verse 5, he says, for all the peoples and nations walk in the name of their own God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. It reminds me of Joshua when he was coming into the promised land and before they, before they crossed the Jordan from the east to the west, Joshua makes his speech and he said, part of that he says, uh, you guys choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's that same kind of a commitment here in Micah. He has had to prophesy both good and bad regarding his own fellow Jews. He's had to really 
confront them as pastor has preached in the previous weeks. He's had to be the bad guy to bring bad news. Here he's bringing good news, great news. But he knows that not everybody is going to be having his own feelings. But we, they're going to do their thing, but we are going to walk in the name of the Lord our God. I would like us to consider that. And in a sense, how can we join Micah in this kind of a commitment? What does it mean for us also to walk in the name of the Lord our God? I came up with a couple of ideas here. We often pray in Jesus' name, but I want us to walk in Jesus' name. I want us to think about how we can do that. When I think about walking in, in a name, uh, two, the first two things I, that came to my mind was the opening ceremony of the Olympics. You have all these athletes from all over the world, and they are walking in procession under the flag of their country. Why? Because they are identifying, this is my country. I'm proud to be able to represent my country in the competitions ahead. The other thing I think about, similarly with a flag, uh, and it, by the way, the flags were used, sometimes the word banner in the Old Testament, think flags, think of military flags, where that's, they didn't have the communications that we do now. And so, if you're a soldier in the war, how do you know where you're supposed to be? You look for the banner that represents your particular part, just like in the Civil War. Uh, they didn't have our modern communications, so they used also flags. You had not only the flag of the U.S., for instance, but or the, <laughs> the, the, the Union, but also Illinois, if people from Woodstock were fighting there, they would look for the flag that was their company, their, from, from Woodstock. So that's where I'm supposed to be. And then as the war gets crazy, sometimes you get separated. And so it's important that somebody is raising that flag so that your fellow soldiers can come and you can fight together. You can walk and be a part of the activity together. Uh, similarly, uh, in a non-fighting way, Peace Corps workers, they go all over the, the world and they go to help people. They go in the name of the United States. But I think the best illustration of all is marriage. Uh, <clears throat> 49 and a half years ago. Now let me back up farther than that. 71 plus years ago. A little girl was born in Nebraska. And she was born into the, the Peterson name. Uh, she crawled in the name of the Petersons. She toddled in the name of the Petersons. Eventually, she learned to walk in the name of the Petersons. But 49 and a half years ago, that same girl, now a young woman, walked up the aisle of the church to the front of the church. She walked in the name of the Petersons. And she walked down a while later in the name of the Nelsons. She took on my name. Most of the stuff 
that she did in her life before and after that moment when we were united in marriage didn't change. She walked the same, she cooked the same, she shopped the same. But there was also a difference. That now in her mind, she had me to consider as she's doing these things. Her budget isn't just in the name of herself as an independent, separated uh, girl away from her family. Now she has to shop and think budget. How can Bob and I both survive? And, and how can we both be happy? How, what should we spend our money on? When she cooks, she's not cooking just for herself. She's thinking about me. And then when we had kids, she's thinking about our family. She's now, her life is now taking place in the name of our Nelson family. So as we think about ourselves as the bride of Christ, married to Christ, but part of the family, of Christ, other Christians here in Woodstock, other Christians in the United States, other Christians around the world. Is there any way, and we're going to be ending with this, I'd like us to revisit these and help each other think of applications. When I blank, in the name of the Lord, Rather than just thinking about myself, what effect might the fruit of the Spirit have on them? Let me read that. Fruit of the Spirit, just put that in our heads again. Galatians 5. In fact, maybe we'll read the bad stuff too. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to start with the bad stuff too. Because that's part of walking in in the name of Christ is knowing what we don't want to do. We'll start with verse uh, 19. We'll start with 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So these are things that shouldn't be part of walking in the name of Christ sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, in other words, party over partying, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, not part of our walk anymore, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. They are choosing things that are not allowed in heaven, in in the kingdom of heaven. But rather, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that we want to add in any ways we can. Is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
running, walking, sleeping. It's like an act of stewardship of what having given my body, and, but I'm not doing it like to impress people, but I'm stewarding it. It's, I've been given my body by God, I want to take care of it because it's not really belonging to me. It's kind of breaking through your property. It's like something God gave you, so you're stewarding it. Yeah. I was trying to think of it in terms of he, he made a contract. Other people follow their gods. We're going to walk in the name of our God. How do non Christians view eating, you know, in the name of their God? Well, they don't. They, they're focused more on their body and proper health, uh, the spiritual aspect, maybe temperance, may or may not be a part of it. But uh, the other thing is uh, that we can pull back some of our concern for the health part of it and just rejoice that God has given us food. So many people in the world do not have the food that we have. Planning, talking. I, I think uh, I'm going to kind of pull this thing out. Planning, talking, decorating, parenting, shopping. Any any uh, comments on any of those? What does it mean to do these normal things? But having it, or doing it in the umbrella of being a Christian, being a follower of the God of heaven and earth. For Christmas decorations, yeah, okay. I didn't quite